0: The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast
1: and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor.
0: Casting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Phillipson. So you're not happy with your weight. Many aren't, so that conversation, well, it's extremely common. How many diets have you put yourself on, tried in earnest, only to find that you go back to your default ways of eating and the weight creeps back on again? There are health implications that come with any obesity, any fat extra that you've got, especially that that's deposited around your middle, you know, that muffin top that's going on. Maybe even a high fat to muscle ratio and just those numbers that stare back to you when you step on the scale that are higher than you or your doctor would like. There's also stigma of being overweight that can create some bias some discrimination and judgment that just feels really icky. It affects your self-esteem, your self-worth, No matter what the cause, of course, there's always some self-blame thinking, oh God, I wish I could just do better. There's a new book out and it's about to hit shelves. And it says, we're bombarded with advice of how to shed unwanted pounds. Count calories, cut carbs, exercise more, eat earlier, skip meals, drink more water, sip apple cider vinegar, pop a pill yet as more of us try and follow such prescriptions our waistlines continue to expand but why is that where's the disconnect my guest today says that there are myths out there that are just keeping us fat and that there's a truth to what actually really works so today on eat this with leanne supersized lies a new book by robert j davis phd who's going to share his take on this monstrous topic I have ways in which I work with clients and those that want a quick fix for losing weight are not at the top of my list to work with weight loss well it's a completely loaded topic with misinformation coming at you left right and center A new diet maybe that's a princess or some royalty has followed and managed to drop all those pounds, right? Or there's some superstar that's all over social media and that just makes everyone jump on a new weight loss bandwagon week in and week out. You know those ones, Chris? I just, they drive me crazy. You have no idea what they put themselves through to get there and was it healthy and was it not but yeah. hey I'm going to buy that book I'm gonna follow that diet and oh I'm just gonna feel like the lean machine that I want to be I can't
1: remember the last time i actually did something bought something tried something because a celebrity or 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 some famous person was using it or was doing it I, I don't I have no idea now see that those types'm oh, glad of, to hear that yeah, yeah see those type those types of diets or things are for i heard a term this week is called sheeple you know you what know, the oh yeah. that's
0: such a great term, yeah,
1: yeah, so that's so there's a lot of people out there that are just sort of wandering around with the crowd looking for something yes, any kind of answer, please somebody speak to me, talk in my ear, just give me an idea on how to make my life better, yeah, and so they just wander around looking for answers as opposed to going out and doing it themselves. see i listen, yeah. I know how tough it is i've been uh um although I've never been obese in my days. I have had just like everybody up and yep. up and down the weight scale Yep. and diets are so scientific. They work because they have been vetted right down to the last yep. calorie. And right. unless you follow it to the letter, which rarely fits into anybody's schedule, it's exactly not, it may not work. <laughs> Right. And no. we are all we are all different when it comes yes. to our makeup and our and, and what our bodies do with food. And so there's so many factors in there. It's no wonder there's so many people wandering around frustrated. Just, you know, the first time they they, they run into a chip truck, they're like, give me a large fry and a yep. tub of gravy because I'm done. That's right. And you're going to fill that emotional piece. That, yeah.
0: that is the reason why you're wandering around aimlessly, because typically, a count your calories, all of that kind of thing does not speak to the emotional aspect of it. This is not just a, you know, eat a peanut, don't eat a peanut. There's so much more going on. Are you male? Are you female? Are, you know, where are you at in life? And, you know, how are your hormones? What is your, uh, you know, how strong are your muscles? How's your metabolism working? Yeah. There are so many things. And the more we try all these damn diets, the more your metabolism just, just like it just doesn't know whether it's coming or going. So by the time clients come and see me, I even actually had someone call me this morning and said, I'm 30 pounds over what I want to be. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, (laughs) okay, that's not a five minute phone call. Uh, That is absolutely, uh, you know, a a consultation package is what I I do. And this is going to take some time to not only unravel what's happened in the past, but where are you going to go in the future? So, you know, all these diets of different ways and different things to do, I've got to say, like, it totally makes my head spin. And how many times do I talk about this on on radio or on TV or, and, and just like debunk it? I can't remember the name of this particular diet, but it was like carnivore taken to another level. So the carnivore diet is only eating meat. Meat, I want to say it was meat. I want to say it was like the lion diet or something. Like it was just ridiculous. But on this, you know, up-leveled carnivore diet, you could only eat certain meats, which you would never find in a typical grocery store. So it's definitely not speaking to the sheeple. I'm going to say that it's going to be very specific person that's going to go and look that out. Mm -hmm. But to go to those lengths, if you have a particular uh, disease or health issue that you need to do that and you need to go that far, fine. But for weight loss, like it just it honestly really just blows my mind because there is just not that full-on like cure all like we don't have a magic bullet we don't have that one thing that's going to work for everybody it just doesn't now i often get pitches from companies and sometimes authors and one came into my inbox recently that just piqued my interest Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutBright.com or leannephillipson.com. So this book that debunks all the myths that are out there and then says what to do instead. Well, I thought, hmm, let's look a little bit deeper into this. While it sounds like the latest bullet, we're going to see what Robert J. Davis argues about in this meticulously researched book And how he says that failure isn't our fault. He insists instead that much of the blame lies with those who peddle hype, have truths, unproven solutions, which often steer us in fruitless quests that inflict emotional and physical harm. Now, all that was written in the press release. So let's see what he has to say in real life, shall we? In addition to revealing how and why we're being led astray, the press release went on to say that Supersize Lies shares weight loss strategies that research shows actually work and it provides practical information that will help you avoid wasting time, money and energy. Hmm. Okay well, let's see what he's going to have to say about this. Don't you worry, after we've done the interview, I'll share my thoughts with you about, uh, yeah, I'll kind of debunk that too, because you know how I love a deep dive. Now, if you've never heard of the author, Robert J. Davis, PhD, well, he calls himself the healthy skeptic. He's an award-winning health journalist who's appeared on CNN, PBS, WebMD, and in the Wall Street Journal. He's written three previous books on health. He hosts the Healthy Skeptic video series which dissects the science behind popular health claims. Davis holds an undergraduate degree from Princeton University, a master's degree in public health from Emory's University Rollins School of Public Health, and a PhD in health policy from Brady's University, where he has a Pew Foundation fellow. Wow. Whew, I, feel like, I feel like I got to put my put my teeth back in after I, that one. That's
1: a lot more than my OSSD.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot more than I, I'm not even sure if I could pull any of <laughs> all those words together about myself. So very impressive. So along with that long list of accomplishments, why can't I say that word? (laughs) Accomplishments, we all have them. Along with that long list of accomplishments and impressive bio, I welcome Robert to Eat This with Leanne. So Robert, you've written a few books. What, like, what drew you into this whole arena? Everybody's got a bit of a backstory when it comes to the, like, the health realm. Can you tell us a little bit about what took you into you know, going to such a, doing such a deep dive into health?
2: Well, I have long had a personal interest in health. I'm, I'm an avid exerciser. I'm very interested in, in nutrition and that goes all the way back to college. And so my career has been as a health journalist um, and I also have an academic background in public health. So I have a, a background in public health and epidemiology. So I've tried to take my personal interest in, in health and combine it with my academic interest as a journalist and really uh, focus on research and help readers and viewers understand what's true and what's not. Because, you know, there's just so much misinformation. We know that anybody who tries to make sense of the health information knows that whether it's about COVID or whether it's about diet or whether it's about weight loss, whatever the matter, there's so much to sift through and so much confusing and conflicting information. So what I've tried to do is to look at the science, to dissect the science and help people really figure out what's believable and what's not. What I don't do is tell people what they should do, right? That's up to individuals to decipher themselves. But what I try to do is to lay out the information as honestly and thoroughly as I can to help them make more informed decisions. And that's what I've do with my work and that's what I've tried to do with this book that's focused on weight loss.
0: Okay, then we're definitely, you know, on the same page on that front because I believe that the more information, the more understanding, the more knowledge that people have, they can make an informed decision. And you, even if you still decide to go get the donut, at least you know that, you know, that one donut it's going to be worth it today or whatever it happens to be and then you can, you know, just get back on to the healthy eating uh healthy eating road. All right. So, yep. with super sized lies. I mean, this is just such a definitely caught caught my interest as I said in in the intro and uh, so your new book, what got me was all the myths, so many myths throughout. So I thought maybe you could just share the top three and break them down for us a little bit, please.
2: Yeah. And, and, and choosing three is hard because there are a I, know. That I focus <laughs> on, bit, but I, I will well,
0: you can, you can do more. You can do more. I will do, know, I will do my best. I will do my
2: best to pick three that I think are at least three big ones. So yeah. one that I uh, focus on extensively is the idea that a certain type of food, certain villain or. Uh, category of foods, uh, certain culprits are mainly responsible for weight uh, gain and that the way the secret to weight loss is to eliminate a certain kind of food, a specific mm. kind of food. I think we've seen the history of this uh, over decades, you know, for during the 70s and 80s and 90s, it was fat as bad. So yes. that if, you, if fat makes you fat. So if yep. you don't eat fat, you won't gain weight. And so we saw bad. where that went. Right. The <laughs> the market was flooded with all kinds of low fat and fat free, free products, which people gobbled up. And we saw what happened. People actually got fatter. And there was actually an epidemic of a diabetes that went with that. And there's arguments about what the problem was. But we just know it was a colossal failure. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, then after that, we see what I call the Atkins era, where carbs are the enemy, that if you will avoid carbs, then you won't gain weight uh, and that carbs that carbs are the culprit. And so uh, that's been followed by uh, soda is the enemy, and sugar is the enemy, or gluten is the enemy, and the list yep. goes on and on and on. So this idea that a single type of food or a specific category of foods is the culprit, that to me is a big myth. And the and the research bears out that diets that eliminate particular foods um, are not necessarily any better than other diets. So the, the studies that have been done that compare low carb diets to low fat diets find that over a year or longer, there's no difference, really. And so study right. after study after study has shown that cutting out a specific kind of food is not necessarily the answer. Now, it may work for certain people. Certain people may find that cutting carbs works for them or cutting fat works for them. But overall, the research has failed to, to bear out this idea that the, a certain culprit is responsible. Right. So I think that, that's a big myth that, that we often see. And, and we see it reinforced over and over and over from all kinds of advocates, gurus, food manufacturers. And, Mm. and and I think that it's the problem with that is it leads us astray. It leads us from focusing on what really counts, which is the overall quality of the diet. So we get fixated on specific types of foods rather than what we should be focused on, which is the overall quality of our diets. Right. Um, so that's, that's one myth. I think that's a big one. Another is the way that we gauge, uh, fatness overweight. And that is with BMI, you know, that's Mm. this body mass index that everybody uses everybody from doctors to trainers, the problem is that it's a very crude instrument, uh, but yet it's the one that most people use. And the problem is that it's overly simplistic. It looks at just height and weight. And too often, people who are not obese are labeled as obese. yeah. And conversely, people that uh, actually have excess fat are labeled as normal. Yeah. And so this is a problem because particularly because of people who, are, who need to watch uh, their weight and need to think about making themselves healthier metabolically or told that they're quote normal, that's Mm -hmm. a problem. And so, and, 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 and the problem is that there's not necessarily a better tool. Maybe waist circumference is a better tool. It's a little more difficult, which is why doctors don't use it as much, but dependence, the widespread dependence on BMI, I think is is a big problem and a big myth that we have. And, And it really leads to all kinds of problems with regard to how people are misclassified. Right. Um, And then a third one I would say is one that I've always been aware of, but I became much more acutely aware of in the research that I've done on this book, is the terrible toll emotionally uh, that the idea that weight is completely within your control, that it's all about if you try hard enough, if you're diligent enough, then you will arrive at a normal weight. And if you don't arrive at a normal weight, then there's something wrong with you. It's because you're lazy. It's because you're not diligent enough. It's because you're gluttonous. Yeah. And th- I, I just, I've heard this over and over from the people I talked to in writing this book, the way that they internalized the stigma and this bias. And they came to view themselves as lazy and undisciplined because they struggled so much with their weight. And the emotional harm that that idea, that that false idea has caused for people um, yeah. as they've struggled with their weight, as, as they weight cycle and they've spent decades struggling with their weight that's their fault because they aren't diligent enough. The problem is not them, the problem is the uh, recommendations, the methods that are being recommended to them that don't work long term. That's the problem. So th- so I think and, and also the fact that weight has been simplified to something that is just a matter of, you know, eating less and exercising more and they think yes. if I do that then that's I huge. will get mm-hmm. to a normal weight. And so and and so the fact that they blame themselves and think that they're failures, I think that's that's perhaps arguably the biggest myth of all, because it's creating such damage in so many ways.
0: That is huge. And as you started talking about that, I I almost physically felt felt myself like feeling really heavy because i think that that is that's the piece that just boxes boxes us in so much in that emotional side of things that feeling that you are a failure because you are not a size 2 or size 4 or dropped three dress sizes or or weight you know you've gone down on your belt or your, all of those things and i think it's like the eternal I don't know. Part of the journey is when I get to being this weight, I'll be happy. Or when I'm look like such and such, then I'll, you know, I'll be successful. There is there's so much tied to this. I mean, that is probably about three volumes, three more volumes of my book. Of your book right there. And in previous episodes, we've talked about intuitive eating and also body image. And there is so much to that as well. And, you know, maybe you could even just speak a little bit more to that, that, that myth. I'll even add another one in there to the calories in and calories out because people find that maybe successful and they don't know where else to go and what else to do other than, okay, I'm going to start running and I'm going to run. I've had clients who run 10k a day and that's just what they do their poor adrenals are completely burnt out they they one client had skin issues all over the place because just of that's what you know the body ended up doing and showing up and whoa i am stressed out so maybe you yeah. could expand a little bit on that the calories in calories out type of myth
2: yeah. And, you know, sometimes this, this idea is called uh, eat less, move more, E-L-M-M. And I like to say for many people, Elm Street, E-L-M-M is a dead end. Right. Um, because they find that they try this and, and are quite diligent about it and find that over time it, it doesn't work or it stops working. Yeah. And the problem, I think that, that one of the biggest problems is that our bodies have ways of compensating and responding to what we're doing that often is mm-hmm. not taken into account in the advice that we get. So the problem is that our, we, have, we are built and, and evolution has imbued us with a, what it considers a gift to protect us against famine and protect us against starvation and keep us from wasting away, which yeah. is great if we live in a, in a world which people did for millennia before us where scarcity is the norm, but it's not obviously in the society that we live in. Yeah. Um, but the issue is that when we start losing weight, uh, when we start cutting calories, our metabolism slows down. And so it makes it harder and harder to maintain that weight loss and, and to, and we have to keep reducing the number of calories we need to consume in order to keep losing weight. And the same goes for exercise. If we exercise vigorously, very vigorously, we, we, yep. we go for, for runs eight minute mile runs every day, yep. we, we will, we, that that's going to burn calories. But over time, the same thing's going to happen. Metabolism slows. Um, by the same token, the kind of exercise that most of us do, the normal exercise, which is, by the way, I'm a huge proponent of exercise. My last book was about exercise. I think it's a fantastic thing we should all do for our health. It has so many benefits. But when it comes to the kind of exercise that most of us do, normal people do, which is to go for a brisk walk, take a mm-hmm. yoga class, ride a bike, that's not going to burn many calories. And so uh, this idea that if you do those things, it's going to lead to weight loss. Um, that's highly misleading. So there's so much there that is misleading in this very simplistic formula to uh, eat less and move more. Um, that again is an example of just how people are led astray so often. And 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 again, these other kinds of psychological effects that occur as a result.
0: Okay, so under a section called the bitter truth, apple cider vinegar, which is loved by many and touted as a weight loss method, by you know celebs and people putting this out on social media all the time will you say uh no that's not true so can you break that one down
2: for us sure and i know this is going to be disappointing to lots of folks who swear by I apple know. cider vinegar <laughs> uh and by the way i have nothing against apple cider vinegar if if you like it if uh, the taste is better, but if you like to use it use it that's fine but what I, but again looking objectively at the research what i found was there's not much there there's one study in humans people often cite It found that over three months, people who took a few tablespoons of apple cider vinegar lost a few more pounds than people who didn't. But there's a caveat here. Guess who conducted the study? It was a maker of apple cider vinegar or or vinegar. So that's just something you have to take into account. There's not much else, uh, not much other human research um there's some evidence that maybe it decreases appetite but then some of the studies those studies found that actually it's because people were nauseated so i don't know but (laughs) most of us it took
0: took them a a while to get over that pucker up taste yeah like whoa that is so strong
2: (laughs) so if you're okay using nausea as a weight loss method okay that's terrible but 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 that's what this and 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 most of the other research is in rodents um, and of course we know that rodents aren't people and vice versa. So it's hard to apply that research to people. So the problem is simply that there's just not the evidence there to support these right. claims that some kind of, uh, uh, great way to lose weight.
0: So just as an aside, as you're talking a lot about research, it sounds like you did the ultimate deep dive into every possible, um, you know, thing that's spoken about, more from a, okay, quick, do this, and then you'll get to weight loss. And don't worry, listeners, at the end, we're going to come to what <laughs> what is Robert's recommendation, which is a part of the book as well. But while we're just sort of in the middle of the interview talking about these like quick fixes, which everybody is so... Almost obsessed with it's it's, so if I just follow what such and such did they lost so much weight, but you actually don't appreciate maybe how long it took them to get there or everything that was involved and, and, and that quick fix is really, um, it just sounds like you've really broken that down and done an awful lot of research, which I appreciate because I do an awful lot of research on this podcast as well. So,
2: well, and I have. I mean, I've gone through literally, I went through literally thousands of research papers as I wrote this book. And, but, but also it's important to remind people not all research is created equal, right? I mean, there That's are right. good studies and there are bad studies. And so I've really taken great pains to look at what scientists call the totality of the evidence, which means the evidence as a whole. And so looking at not what one study says or one study or group of studies, but trying to look at all the evidence and, and drawing conclusions from that. And I think that's really important as people are thinking about evidence because too often you'll see headlines, study says avocado helps you lose weight. And that's one study, but you have to dig down into it and see, okay, how was it conducted? Who did it? Who funded it? And all these questions. And so I've asked all those questions as I've gone through the research, and again, not focused on individual studies, but tried to focus on the research as a whole, which is really what you have to do in order to draw reasonable conclusions from what we, mm-hmm. from from the science.
0: Back to kind of a little bit to back to exercise and weight loss. There's a lot of misinformation, as I already said, that's out there from like you know sweating, sweating a lot. That's a really good one to yeah. do, or exercising on an empty stomach. Well, that's going to burn more. So, can you play, break those down for my uh, for our loyal listeners, please?
2: Yeah. So exercising on an empty stomach, you know, fasted cardio, as it's often called the idea that if you uh, if you exercise an empty stomach, that's going to burn more calories, burn more fat. And what the studies there show is that over the short term, that may be true. We're talking over hours or maybe a day, but over time, which is what matters, there's no difference. So uh, researchers that compared people who exercise on an empty stomach versus having eaten found that over time, weeks or months, it didn't make a difference. Uh, in terms of how much weight or how much fat they lost so unfortunately mm. that one and, 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 and I would say that if you particularly can be a problem is if you know I, I personally need some kind of energy in order to keep myself going when I exercise yeah. some people do fine without anything in their stomachs but I, for me it's like a, a car without gas I run out of gas quickly if I don't have some kind yeah. of nourishment before I exercise
0: yeah um, and can you share what you do eat before exercise to keep you going
2: I try to just eat uh, a light snack, so a combination of protein and carbs, something okay. like maybe uh, nut butter with, with a cracker or something like that, uh, yogurts, uh, th- that can be good, carrots and hummus, that kind of thing. Just something light that's not going to weigh me down, but at least something to give me a little bit of energy before I go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At Excellent. least that works for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I recall in another book years ago called Thrive, Brendan Brazier, who's a, uh, I think he's an actually a vegan triathlete. His uh, His go-to was dates with coconut oil. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I did for years and years. And I found that it was not, you know, it was nice. It was nice to eat. You could make whiz it up in the food processor and end up kind of more with a bar type of thing, but he focused on more of the fat. And of course, coconut oil is, is used more through the liver and is just a different, a different process in the body. So uh, I think it's important to find what works for you. That's the most important thing. I think you just said there is
2: what do what what do
0: you feel good about? When and you what do you like? It.
2: I mean, obviously don't try to cram foods, which, which is a big problem. I think overall, sometimes with nutrition and with weight loss is people are uh, cramming foods in themselves they don't like. And, yeah, I know. Uh, they don't like the taste. And there's no <laughs> What's reason. the point
0: of that? Yeah. <laughs> you have to enjoy it as well. Absolutely. Right. Um, Okay. So after all of this and the research and honestly, listeners, there's so much more in the book, but we're just trying to keep this nice and tight for you and what your appetite to, because I do think it's a worthy book um, in checking out even more. So can you break down what your, what your suggestion is, what you're recommending after all the research that you've done for people to have efficient, successful and long lasting weight loss knowing that this is not going to all happen like in a weekend. <laughs> uh,
2: there are a number of uh, uh, suggestions I have in the book, but one of the most important, perhaps the most important, I would say, is we talked earlier about the uh, problem of focusing on villains yes, uh, and, and, and trying to boil weight loss down to s- avoiding a specific kind of food. Um, the alternative to that is looking at the overall quality of your diet and trying to eat what I call a whole foods diet. It doesn't necessarily mean going to the store whole foods, but it means right. eating a focusing on the kinds of things we hear all the time that are good, that are important for good health. That is to say, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, uh, lean meats, fish, beans, nuts, um, and minimizing highly processed foods, things like, uh, chips and soda, and candy bars and um, and hot dogs and french fries. Now, notice that I said minimize. It doesn't mean you never eat those foods. It doesn't mean that you have to say, I can never touch those foods because they're toxic or they're poison. And I yeah. think that's a key distinction. Um, but the point is that if we can emphasize the foods that are good for us and keep the foods that aren't so good for us to a minimum and keep them as occasional treats, and when we do eat them, try to eat them in limited portions, and by the way, that takes time to do. It's not something you're going to do overnight. It's, mm-hmm. it's a process. It's something, a process I went through starting in college of stopping to drink soda and other kinds of foods. And it took me a number of years. So people have to be patient. But the studies show that that not only is going to be important for promoting good health over the, your, the course of your life, but also promoting a healthy weight. And so the good news there is that you don't need to go on some kind of complicated diet with all kinds of rules that are hard to follow. Or require special foods or or deprive yourself of foods that you enjoy and thereby feel that you're sacrificing and craving those foods even more. But Mm. if you can focus on this kind of overall eating pattern and develop one that works for you, that's going to be the solution to long term successful weight control. And, And I should add, you know, what's key about this kind of diet is it lends itself to all kinds of uh, 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 of ways of tailoring it to your own needs. So that if you like certain foods, you need to include the foods you like. If you don't like certain foods, you don't include those. Because you got th- the point is you've got to like the foods or you're not going to keep eating the diet. Of so not to, not to think of it as a diet, but to think of it as a pattern of eating and to include foods that you like and that you're going to enjoy. And, and that's what's great about a whole foods diet because there's so much leeway in that way of eating to tailor it to the way that you want to eat and i think that to me is the most important thing because um because it's 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 simple relatively simple it doesn't require all kinds of complicated rules to remember and it's most important sustainable over the long term
0: so if someone's about to go shopping after listening to this episode can you give us a bit of a shopping list of things to include uh, just to expand upon the whole foods diet? Anybody that's listened to this podcast before will have a list from me, but it might be nice to, to hear from someone else and uh, and what you would suggest putting into your shopping basket.
2: Uh, find vegetables and fruits that you like that's gonna vary from person to person so if you don't you know I don't like cauliflower so if you don't like cauliflower don't buy cauliflower't eat it that's it you know, find, find vegetables and fruits that you' that you like and include those and it's important to stock up on those and by yeah. the way frozen are just as good as fresh so yeah. if you so if you, they're gonna go bad as they do for me if I don't you know I, I tend to buy a lot of things at the farmer's market and they go bad you know I go buy frozen. Same. <laughs> go, go buy frozen. Those are, in fact, in some cases, they have even more nutrients, surprisingly, yes. than the fresh kind. So, so that's important. Um, whole grains. Again, I know there's some people that don't eat grains because they're concerned about gluten and maybe they can't digest it. But most people, it's perfectly fine to eat gluten and whole grains. Whole grains are an excellent source of fiber. Um, and by whole grains, we mean things. By the way, you can tell if you look at the package, it has the word whole as the first ingredient. So mm-hmm. that's going to be whole wheat bread, brown rice. Oatmeal, foods like that that are actually whole grains as opposed to refined grains. So those are important part of a of a healthful diet. They have fiber and, and certain nutrients that we need. Beans. Beans are an excellent source of protein. Yeah. Uh, and so, again, they're all different kinds of beans. Watch out, I would say, for baked beans because they tend to have a lot of added sugar. But mm-hmm. all kinds of other beans uh, are, are a great addition. And again, there are lots of choices there. Uh, nuts are a good part of a healthful diet. You know, sometimes people think, oh, I can't eat nuts because they're high in calories, which they are. But yep. studies have shown that if you eat them in moderation, they can actually be very helpful when it comes to weight control by helping fill you up. And so if you have <laughs> yeah. a choice between eating low fat chips or eating nuts, I would go for the nuts because they're going to be more filling. Uh, the chips you're going to eat and be hungry, you know, 30 minutes later, the nuts mm-hmm. are going to be more filling. And the, you can eat the nuts or you can incorporate them into salads. Uh, that's a great way to do it. Uh, but there are other uh, other dishes. So nuts are a good thing to include in your diet, and then lean meats. And and so it's okay to eat red meat. It doesn't mean you have to. I mean, I, I don't eat much red meat, but it's if you eat red meat, just make sure it's lean. Yeah. Um, and fish and chicken, uh, the good sources of protein. If you're a vegetarian, obviously uh, you can get it through beans and and soy and other kinds of sources of protein. The point is that you, you've got all kinds of options here. And it's a matter of educating yourself before you go to the grocery store and and really uh, thinking about what it is you want to include and then trying those things and being willing to experiment as well. So Mm -hmm. it it requires a little trial and error in that sense. It may be a little harder at first because you have to figure out on your own what combinations of foods are going to work for you. But in the end, there's going to be a huge payoff because you're going to be able to keep doing that uh, throughout your life.
0: And as I've always talked about on, on this, this podcast as well is, you know, if you want to go and have a pizza, you can just have the sort of more cardboard type with the cheese and the pepperoni, as you said, in, in moderation. Or you can also throw on a whole bunch of vegetables on top of it. And then that just changes up that and a whole grain pizza base Uh, going on, or if you're a lover of cauliflower, there's now cauliflower bases. to that pizza, you can turn that into a really great whole food type food. So you can enjoy it more often and not have it as one of those, well, can't, I want pizza, but I don't. And, you know, making it into that evil food, as you mentioned as well, which is, which is always a really good thing to do, I think.
2: Absolutely. And that's the, that's a key point because too often these diets turn eating into drudgery into something that's just and, and it's why people can't sustain them i mean eating is one of the great pleasures of life we we, we derive great enjoyment from the foods we also derive great enjoyments from enjoying food with other people mm. and the terrible things that so many of these weight loss diets do is to take that pleasure away from people and yeah. there's no reason that has to happen there's that successful weight management is compatible, entirely compatible with enjoying food. And I think that's something that people, again, are misinformed about, like, well, it means I'm going to not enjoy my food anymore. It means that I'm not going to, I'm going to have to eat a bunch of things I don't like and not be able to eat things I do like. And that's false. It's just a matter of educating yourself, taking advantage of, you can find all kinds of recipes we know online, yep. on YouTube and, and everywhere you can see these um, to, to find things that are going to be helpful, that are going to be part of a whole food diet that you're actually going to enjoy. And you're going to be able to enjoy enjoy your meals and really and not be deprived of this great pleasure in life that's really
0: huge and all the recipes in um in my most recent and award winning book is a uh, for right family food and and all of those all those recipes are full of whole whole foods even the chocolate chip cookie recipe that has I think it's about six ingredients, one of them being the chocolate chips made with whole oats and and it, it's possible is what I'm saying. And, and thank you for backing that up as well, Robert. All right. So um, now that uh, now that we've talked about the secret sauce that's kind of in your book and what, what people are going to going to find, can you tell our lo- loyal listeners where and when, because this is a new book that's coming out soon, they'll be able to get a hold of your book, please.
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, they can find out more about me and the book at healthyskeptic.com, healthyskeptic.com. Mm-hmm. The book will be available beginning on September 21st on Amazon. You can look for Supersized Lies. 2021
0: Um, that is for anyone listening to this later on. Yeah.
2: Yes. And, um, it, you can pre-order the, uh, Kindle book and the paperback will be available beginning on the 21st of September.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations. And thank Thank you. you very much for doing such a deep dive into a monstrous topic and also I have to say from a you know a, as a nutritionist myself and and all the things that I talk about on all the episodes is we're definitely talking the same language and even with all the research that you've collated and put together it's still coming back to the same thing is that you don't have to do the carnivore diet the keto diet the fully plant-based the whole 30 the whatever you don't have to put yourself through that I don't know. I almost want to say torture, but you know it—it kind of is, right? Because the deprivation—you may you, may you may be motivated for a week or two, but then it's like, oh no, I just want to eat what they're eating. Because <laughs> it always right. happens, right. doesn't it?
2: <laughs> right, right. Which is why people, in most cases, can't do it for a long time.
0: Yeah. And so uh, if anybody else wants to find out more further to this book, then I know that you've got lots of, um, lots of extra resources. So I'm going to suggest that you check out uh, the healthy skeptic. I love that title as well. So thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. I think what stood out for me the most with what we talked about with Robert was to do with the exercise piece because I think that's something that so many of us just end up getting so stuck on. Oh god, I haven't been to the gym, I haven't done this, I haven't been out for a walk, I haven't been, you know, been doing yoga or lifting weights and things like that and and to do with weight loss, we know that there's so much around overall health. The health benefits, keeping your metabolism going is, is you've got to have the muscle mass there. And also just to keep your bones strong, there's so much to the actual exercise, but I think in him breaking down that, yes, great to do your daily walks, your bike rides and your daily yoga class, which is kind of all the things that I do. But what really is going to amp things up is going to be more of that slightly higher intensity, but not killing yourself because... You think, I want to lose weight fast. So you start off and you know, kind of go hell for leather, all, all in one go in the beginning. You stick to it for maybe a week or two, and then you fall off and you think it has to be all or nothing. And it really, really doesn't. So I'm I really, really enjoyed talking with Robert and that that interview because the research is behind it, which of course all, all of my loyal listeners know that. I really like to do a deep dive into these things as well, and I just think it's an updated validation into everything that I often say, and also how we work with my clients to get them to where they want to be. And there is no fast and furious way of doing it that's going to be long-term and sustainable. All right, so what do you think? Does his easy to understand style have you interested enough to maybe go and grab his new book? I've got it and I kind of breezed through it. Gotta say it was a pretty easy read. I had my highlighter out and I went through it and and looked at the, the myths, some of them that he talked about and some that he didn't. And I do like where he's coming from with the myths that he talked about because you hear these things and you always think, "Oh, well." It's just sort of part of what I grew up with. So isn't that real when in actual fact, it could be a complete story of BS. And yes, I do love actually throughout his book, how his passion comes through uh, in the way that he wrote. And that actually kept me really interested. What have you tried in what he suggested? Is there anything that actually resonated with you, my lovely loyal listener? I'd love to hear a little bit more from you. Now please subscribe, share, and let me know if you have any other topics that you'd like to cover, or if there's a book that you've read lately in the health field just a little bit like this one maybe and that you'd like me to do a deep dive into because I'm always fascinated to see what everybody else is coming up with and then as I do on radio all the time kind of break it down and bring out some things for us to all think about a little bit more check out the show notes on leannephillipson.com for a link to Robert's book once it comes out and with that said please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time